So they say Christmas is a time for families. I wonder if you saw an ABC News feature in the last week or two about domestic violence, though. Uh, the reporter followed a Victorian local police team around for a, for a shift, and on that one Sunday there were 22 family violence call-outs in the whole district. One of the policemen said that his busiest shift ever was 16 domestic violence call-outs, and that was on Christmas Day. Christmas is supposed to be a happy family time, but often it's much different. Uh, simmering tensions just rise to the surface. There's relationship breakdown, uh, misunderstandings, arguments, fights and sometimes violence. Uh, divorce is a tragic fact of life. Uh, one in three marriages in Australia end in divorce. In America it's worse. Uh, 40% of marriages in America end in divorce. Uh, what's troubling is that being a Christian, at least in America, doesn't seem to make much difference. The Barner Institute reports that in America, 32% of people who classify themselves as born-again Christians have been married and divorced. It's almost identical to the 33% of non-Christians who've been married and divorced. Now, I couldn't find any figures for Australian Christians but even if it's not as bad as that, it's a huge problem. And we know that uh, there are people personally affected by divorce right here in our church. Uh, this topic of divorce is not simply the theoretical. It's not an irrelevant question of theology. It's painful, it's powerful and it's real. It ruins lives. Uh, not just husband and wife, but children and grandparents as well. It's grandparents who miss out. And not just in the short term either, we're, we're talking decades. Uh, the consequences of divorce can flow through to the marriages of children when they grow up, uh, as they bring their pain and their insecurities with them. Uh, when it comes to the question of divorce, churches, I think, can fall into one of two mistakes. Uh, they can either be too hard and teach that divorce is almost an unforgivable sin, that you can't be divorced and still be a Christian. Uh, and they treat divorced people like lepers and isolate them from the, the life of the church. That's one mistake. The, the other mistake is uh, churches can be too soft in what they teach. Uh, and they see divorce as just a, a fact of life, that it doesn't matter, it's a little like ripping off a band-aid. It's unpleasant for a short period of time, but then you just get on with life. And that marriage isn't worth fighting for. It's something you can grow out of. Churches, some churches teach about divorce like that, and they undervalue how important marriage is. And so there's too little effort spent on trying to help marriages that are in trouble and improving them. So they're the two extremes, but my view is Jesus' attitude is neither of those two extremes. and It's somewhere in the middle and that's probably where we should be as well. So let's have a look at this passage and see what we can learn about what Jesus thinks about this hot topic. It's a hot topic today, but it was just as much an issue in Jesus' time. Uh, that's why the Pharisees brought it up in the first place. Uh, do you see it there in verse 3? They come to Jesus with a tricky question. But it's a test. 
It's not a genuine dilemma. They don't actually want to know the truth. They're not interested in a specific pastoral problem or some sort of moral dilemma. They're not actually interested in reducing pain or improving marriages. They just want to catch Jesus out. Verse 3, they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And notice what they're not asking. They don't say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? That's assumed. Deuteronomy and Leviticus talk about what husbands are to do if they give their wives a certificate of divorce. And so the assumption was God was fine with men divorcing their wives. And so their question is not the first one, it's actually the second question. What's an acceptable reason for a man to divorce his wife? Uh, Are there some reasons that are okay and some that are not okay? You see, Deuteronomy 24 verse 1 says this, If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from the house, and then it goes on to talk about what the husband should do should other situations happen. Uh, So Moses said, if a man marries someone and finds uh, a woman and finds something indecent about her and he then writes her a certificate of divorce, this is what he should do. They took that command uh, and so people then debated about what it meant for the husband to find something indecent about his wife. And there were two schools of thought and probably everything in between. So at one end you had the liberals. They said a man could divorce his wife for pretty much anything, for minor things. So there was one teacher around the time of Jesus, Hillel, and he said if a wife burned the dinner, that was suitable grounds for divorce. And then you had the conservatives, like those from the school of Shammai, uh, who said that something indecent meant marital unfaithfulness, uh, adultery, and that was the only acceptable grounds for divorce. And so there's their question, where do you fit, Jesus, between Hillel at one end and Shammai on the other end? Uh, What's something indecent? Are you soft? Are you hardline? But Jesus won't play the game. He says they have the emphasis all wrong, or the emphasis all wrong, if you like. Uh, He says don't focus on the separating because marriage is actually about joining, not separating. You're focusing on the separating, not the joining. And he goes back to to the scriptures. He doesn't go to Deuteronomy or Leviticus or Numbers like the Pharisees do. He goes all the way back to creation. When God made Adam and Eve... Uh, Back to the very first marriage, God's original design, and he says in verse 4, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. They're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. God's plan is for husband and wife to be joined together, to be connected, to becoming one. Two different individuals with different goals and opinions and interests coming together to become one. Not suddenly agreeing on anything, but not, not becoming identical twins, but committing completely to the other person as number one. 
committed to a lifetime of serving them and of not separating, of working hard to be one, working hard at communication and openness and intimacy. That's God's design. And a connection like that is lifelong and strong. It's a connection that's pretty difficult to break. It's the sort of connection that a burnt meal or sickness or unemployment can't split. It's the sort of connection that wrinkles and grey hair or a midlife crisis can't split. One flesh, not separated, that's God's goal for marriage. Marriage is not something you chop and change like a new outfit because last year's is out of fashion. It's not something that you stick with as long as the feelings are there or as long as your needs are being met or until something better comes along. That's Jesus' position. And he concludes, Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. In other words, your emphasis is all wrong when you focus on the separating of what God has joined. Focus on the joining. Well, the teachers come back with another question, verse 7. Aha! Why then did Moses command that a man gives his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? very interesting what they focus on, isn't it? Moses commanded a man to give his wife a certificate of divorce. Well, no, not really. That's not what he said at all. In other words, their question is, does that mean Moses is against God's purpose when he says, give a certificate of divorce? Is there some sort of contradiction? Remember what they're trying to do. They're trying to trap Jesus. But for Jesus, there's no contradiction. Verse 8. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. Notice he changes the verb. It's not command. He permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. The beginning was the ideal. One flesh. All marriages should be working hard to maintain that one flesh. But he's also realistic, isn't he? The reality in Moses' time, Jesus' time, today, is something far different. Uh, the reality is we have hard hearts. Uh, we're selfish. Uh, our relationships are perhaps governed more by convenience and personal preference than by commitment, uh, by our own needs being satisfied rather than the other person. Uh, our marriages are characterised by a contract as long as conditions are met rather than a covenant that goes on. Marriages that have an appearance of adjoining as one but in reality it's two people looking after themselves rather than the other person. That's hard hearts. In Moses' time, hard heart showed itself in polygamy. A husband taking another wife who catches his eye but not divorcing his first wife, not allowing her the opportunity to experience a one-flesh relationship in a marriage. Today, hard heart shows itself in couples living together, at convenience without commitment, or else hard heart shows itself in affairs or open marriages or two strangers living under the same roof, same name, same address, but two separate lives, or else hard heart shows itself in a series of relationships one after the other. 
updating as casually as you might update your car or your phone. Serial monogamy, that's hard hearts. And so Jesus says that Moses' command was a concession, a concession for hard hearts. It's a repair job for a so-called marriage where the bond had already been broken, where there'd already been an indecent attitude or an act or a hard heart that had broken the one flesh union. And Jesus' point is that divorce in those circumstances is an obituary, not an opportunity. Divorce is an obituary, not an opportunity. It formalises something that's already broken. It frees the wife and allows her to find uh, a real marriage, perhaps, rather than her remaining in limbo, not divorced, but also not one flesh with her husband either. Divorce in these circumstances should be an obituary, not an opportunity. Opportunity was what the Jews of the time saw divorce as. Uh, The thinking went something like this. If you found someone else you like, a newer, flashier model, then the certificate of divorce, well, that was your ticket to trade up. And you still get to keep God's law while you do it. But divorce should be an obituary, not an opportunity. It should be a saddening final step, not to be taken lightly, a drastic final measure. That's Jesus' view. And so Jesus says in verse 9, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. The penalty for adultery was stoning. That, this is serious stuff, says Jesus. To divorce and remarry, is, it's serious. To use some minor problem like burning a, a meal as an excuse to break a marriage so you can marry someone else, well, that's just adultery. Treating divorce lightly was a grave sin. Issuing a certificate of divorce in those circumstances was a long way from actually keeping the law. It was nowhere near God's intention. So what does that mean for those of us who are married? Well, if Jesus treats divorce so seriously, one step back is because marriage is so important. He values it. Jesus values it. And so we should value marriage as well. We should work hard at our own marriage. We should encourage one another in our marriages and support and pray for each other. We spend hours each week on the garden or cleaning the car or doing the housework, but how much time do we spend cultivating or looking after our marriages? Does the time that we spend on that reflect the importance our marriage is? Marriage is hard work, but the work is worth it. Building oneness takes effort. And Jesus' point is that divorce is a very final card to play. It's not the first thing you play. It's the last. In a, it's a last resort in certain circumstances only and then only a formal recognition of a separation that's already happened. Well, for once, it seems like the disciples pick up the weight, the gravity of what Jesus is saying. Because he's not just talking about divorce, he's talking about marriage. Uh, Verse 10, 
And they say something like, if marriage is through thick and thin, if there is no easy escape clause, if the sin of looking for an easier option is adultery, then why get married? It all sounds too hard, they say. Verse 10. The disciple said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. Why not just stay single, they say, if this is the reality of marriage? And Jesus agrees. He says, for some people, it is better not to marry. Verse 11. Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it's been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men. Others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Now, very different opinions about what Jesus means here, but here's what I think he's saying. Not everyone gets married, that's true. Some people are eunuchs, either by choice or birth or because of someone else. Eunuchs, now now that's tough. I think that's why he uses eunuchs here, to point out some people really do have it tough. By comparison, to actually get married and stay married, that's not really tough. All it takes is a little commitment and a little other person-centredness. If you can't handle that, then sure, don't get married, he says. The one who can accept this should accept it. Marriage is hard work, says Jesus, but it's worth it. It's hard, but it's not, it's not that hard. Uh, the alternative to marriage, singleness, that'll suit some people, but there are downsides to that as well. So I think Jesus is saying something like, don't complain about how tough you've got it because you're married and it's not as satisfying as you'd like. Suck it up and work a bit harder. Work at putting your spouse first, at building the unity that you have. The one who can accept this should accept it. Don't look over the fence. Don't think the grass is greener somewhere else, he says that someone else has it easier, that the single person has life better than the married person. Like everything in life, wherever you are, Jesus calls you to be content, married or single. Faith in action is to be content, to trust that God has good things for you exactly where you are at the moment. Faith in action says, I'm married, it's hard, but it's worth it. I'm going to commit myself to it. And I guess that's where the rubber hits the road for us to be content wherever we are, whatever situation we're in. Uh, Single, married, divorced, widowed. Uh, To be content where we are. If we're married, to value our marriages because God values them. Uh, His goal for us is complete intimacy and unity and connection. That's not easy. We have to work hard at that. Uh, We have to stick it out when it's not easy. And I think church can actually help here. We can share the load with each other. And part of that is about being transparent with each other about the reality of marriage. Not pretend that everything's perfect. Find someone that you can share uh, honestly with. We're not all going to share everything with everybody. Uh, But there should be people in church you can be honest with who can ask you questions about how your marriage is going and, and pray for you. And that includes those of you who are not married. You can make, your, make a commitment that you're going to encourage and support marriage. If you're single, though, I, I also hope that uh, 
this passage has been a bit of a reality, a reality check for you. Sometimes single people think that if only they get married, then all of their loneliness and frustration will be over. But can I just say, that's not realistic. Uh, anyone who's married will be able to tell you that. Uh, it's only setting you up for disappointment if you have this view up here of what marriage will be like. Uh, it set you up for disappointment. It puts an unrealistic burden, an unattainable burden on your future spouse to, to, to somehow live up to your expectations. And it makes you unsettled and discontent now. Uh, and Jesus wants you to be content. So throw yourself into the relationships God's given you here at church uh, with other singles, with married people. Encourage those around you who are married. Pray for them. It's not easy being married. It's not that tough either, but it's not that easy. Uh, help out those people who are married, especially those with young kids. That's a season that uh, it'll pass, but it's not an easy season. Uh, offer to babysit so they can have a night out to work on their marriages. A good marriage isn't easy, it's never easy, uh, but God's at work uh, in our marriages to make us more like Jesus, uh, to make us more patient and other-person-centred and less selfish. Uh, it's hard work, but it's worth it, says Jesus. The one who can accept this should accept it. Uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these words. Uh, we hear them from a whole range of different situations. Uh, for some of us, we're, we're content, we're, we're enjoying uh, the situation we're in. Uh, others, we're discontent, uh, things are difficult. Uh, we pray that you would help us to see, to understand your goal for our marriages. Uh, they would be one flesh, that they will be connected and supported and other person-centred. Uh, when that's not the situation, Lord, we pray that uh, we might find uh, our fulfilment and our satisfaction, firstly in the Lord Jesus, and then secondly, uh, here at church, that we would support and provide friendship and connection with each other. Uh, might that be something that we do increasingly well? Might we be open and prayerful and uh, supportive of each other? Uh, Lord, for those who are doing it tough, for those who are divorced or, or who are really struggling in marriage, Lord, uh, we pray that you will give them the courage uh, to reach out to people, uh, that you would be the one who uh, brings them through and who comforts and strengthens and equips and provides for them. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.